0: a Mitch. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking to a very special guest. My next guest has worked in the US entertainment industry for a number of decades. My next guest is an extremely talented individual with a wide range of bona fides. He's an actor, director, producer, executive, and associate producer, and has done so much more. He is also a multi Emmy nominated producer for an outstanding comedy in 2006. Over his career, he has spun many plates and has been involved with various roles, working in television. He has acted in multiple shows, possibly best known for his portrayal as Leonard the Security Guard and Death on the TV comedy Scrums. He has directed a number of shows, including but not limited to Scrubs, Cougar Town, Head of Class, American Housewife, and most recently on Apple TV's new smash hit, Shrinking. He is most possibly professionally known for his work as a producer, associate producer and exec producer on some of the most popular shows to ever grace our television screens. I want you all to know I'm a huge fan of this individual's contributions and creations so far. My previous guest Kip Krauger, introduced us and I'd love to give a shout out to him. Thank you sir, I appreciate you setting this up and without further ado I'd like to introduce the insanely talented Randall Winston. I hope you enjoy. Well, thanks everyone for joining back. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce the insanely talented Randall Winston. How are you today, sir?
1: I'm doing well. Very well. Great. Thank you. You're too nice.
0: Ah, oh, stop. You are yourself. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Um, whereabouts in the world do we find you at the moment?
1: Uh I am in I'm in Burbank, California. I'm at, I'm on the Warner Brothers Lot.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. I am in sunny orange. It's about minus three degrees here at the moment, seven in the morning. Ooh. And it's supposed to be one of the warmer months of the year, so I'm I've been here about a year, and I'm still regretting my decision. But we'll see how we go. <laughs> so as we just briefly spoke, and um, but basically, what this podcast is about is about storytelling. Um, myself and a lot of my friends uh, we're all huge, you know, fans of what you do. So I figured if we start off by having a a quick ice breaking tool, then delve into your into your story uh, professionally, so to speak. Now I was just wondering, Randall, would you like to quickly join me in having a bitchy with Mitchie this week?
1: I love bitchy with Mitchy What well, I might have I might have a lot today. What what's what what are you bitching about?
0: Um uh, well you, the opportunity you can go first, always offer it to the guest or I can. It's up to you.
1: You go you go for it.
0: Okay. Well, it's generally always a first roll problem, but I just I just went out to fill up my car with gas. So we call it fuel here at the service station or servos for short. If Australian, we put the, I would at the end of everything. So you'd be rando if we were friends down here, for example, I'm no. and anyway, so at the servo and I called in, I used pump number two to fill it up. And then I've gone in to pay for my fuel. And there's this little old lady in front of me speaking to the attendant. She says, excuse me, can you tell me where the toilet is? And he's like, sure. It's out there near the entrance. So as I walk past this woman, um, the guy instinctively said the number of the pump out loud to me as I approached him, he said number two and she's still an earshot. She still says, as a matter of fact, you're fucking pervert to number one. What's it to you? <laughs> so my bitch is the worst timing possible <laughs> and it's crushing my soul living out here. <laughs> you couldn't, That's amazing. You couldn't script it. So yeah, my bitch of the day was just amazing people living around me.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I I I I don't know if you can tell I'm a little stuffed up, which I've it's just annoying to have a head cold. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I was I was sort of cruising along um, uh, in through our through our winter, feeling pretty good, and then this happened. And now, anytime you like cough or sneeze or wheeze, everybody looks at you like, do you have COVID? So (laughs) I'm either like holding it in, or I feel like the need to explain myself um you know and uh so that's that's probably that's probably top of mind um, yeah yeah
0: well uh, isn't it funny like uh, as, you know you look at the statistics um going through 2021 it was the lowest case of recorded flu and cold you know because everyone was being so cautious about you know not coughing on anyone now yeah. since the world's allowed back to freedom those rates have skyrocketed again it's like did you guys forget how to you know, be hygienic around other people. Like you see people sneezing on their arm and just not yeah. giving a stuff when they're in. Oh, yep, back to the old ways. Didn't take long, did it?
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that was uh, here. The other, the other uh, thing that evidenced when it was over was that it was the. Traffic behavior, you know, because like during COVID, everybody was like, "Oh no, you go first Oh, so no, please, you know. And then a few months after uh, things started getting lifted, people were, you know, cutting you off just like the old days.
0: Uh oh, I used to be a road worker, and some of the some of the things you'd see, um, you just you'd shake your head and go, just if you thought about someone else, you'd be okay. And my camera's having a good old time up there, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah. So if you're out there, run. Take your time. Cover your mouth when you sneeze, and you'll have a good time. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. oh, that was a smooth transition, smooth as my bald head dead set. <laughs> um. So what I what I generally do is I that's a bit of an ice breaking tool. Like for myself, as I said, I'm I don't often get nervous, but in this instance, I'm a little bit. So hopefully, no need. I've got to get over my own idiocracy. Um. And generally, what we do is I thought I would delve. <laughs> sorry. Or delve into, you know, your life a little bit, sort of talk about your story, how you got started, um, some of your career achievements so far, and you know what you're a little bit like in your personal life, I won't delve in too far and just shoot the shit, and what are you saying, you happy to, to stroll down memory land a little bit?
1: Perfect, yes. Sweet. For whatever reason.
0: Well, I like to ask this question to everyone I get on, um, so if you can take yourself back to as early as you can remember, what was the first thing you were ever a fan of, whether it was a show, book, toys? Community.
1: Um, I mean, I, I watched a lot, a lot of television. You know, um, I remember loving the Carol Burnett Show. Um, I loved, uh, uh, I loved, The Six Million Dollar Man and Bionic Woman, uh, Warner Woman. Like those, those shows. I feel like were shows that I was always trying to be home to, to watch. And the cartoons. Oh my God! All the Warner Brothers cartoons. It's funny being in Warner Brothers now because Bugs Bunny, me and my best friend. Jimmy used to come home from school and, and watch, you know, Bugs Bunny endlessly. I I could, I could do the, the characters with, with him and with my sister. We used to have these old recordings of of us after school, drinking a strawberry quick and and, and (laughs) watching the cartoons. And then, uh, and then on Sundays, I would watch old movies with my sister and sometimes our brothers, but a lot of times we watch old comedies like Abbott and Costello or, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, so it was kind of ingrained in you from the start, sort of. You're, did you always know that based on your loves, would you always end up in the entertainment industry or how did you sort of get started?
1: I did. General? I was always leaning into it. I mean, it was always something that I that I was interested in, that I wanted to know more about, you know, I wanted to be a part of. Um and, you know, I grew up in uh, in the Midwest, in here in the States. You know, so uh, so Hollywood was, you know, a far-off place and not really sure how to get there, but it was always sort of tugging at me.
0: Fair enough. Do you remember what your first ever role was? Were you working behind the scenes in telly or were you doing on a movie set? What was your first ever uh, role in the industry?
1: Um, well, the... Probably the first first internship that I had, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think, was there anything, you know? I, I remember being around TV stations, you know, volunteering, you know, like during telethons and whatnot. But the first internship that I had was uh, at the at the local um, affiliate in Dayton, Ohio. It was after my freshman year in college, and, and I worked in, uh, in in like their their. I can't remember what they called it. It was like, it was like the ad sales department. So I got to make local commercials, you know, so there there was this place, Tom Raper RV, and it was like, see America in an RV. And I, you know, uh, shot people's uh, vacation photographs on a little animation stand and put it together with a little bit of music. And we would write the scripts and, you know, get to go into the newsroom and an editorial. And I was, I, I was in heaven.
0: So it sounded like you sort of were exposed to a a wide bunch of skills that you got at the start editing and whatever else. Um, Did you ever envision your career going down the producer or director route or were you more of like, did you want to take more of an acting route to start with?
1: Well, you know, I think the the thing is, there's so many different jobs that are encompassed in this industry, which you don't know going in. And people used to always say, you know, I fell into it or, and that felt really confusing and frustrating, honestly. Um, and I think there's also the Hollywood myth, which is, you know, you can get discovered, you know, doing anything and 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 become a star. Um, so I think that's always sort of like in the, it was always in the back of my head, you know, like what else could happen. And, um, and, and as I started to become a, as I started heading down the road, to be a producer i used to say all the time that it was the it was the uh the best job i never wanted you know because i i i, I didn't always see the joy in it like i, I people would point to the producer and th- that person always seemed like they were you know sort of uh uh carrying the weight of the world and you know not happy and saying no a lot and, and uh, it, it just it didn't look like much fun um But, you know, as I got into deeper into the industry and I started out, uh, uh, I worked my way up in in post-production and I saw, oh, I'm so sorry. And I saw the ways in which there, that is my bank calling. That is another source of bitchy with (laughs) Mitchy. That's okay. (laughs)
0: Oh, good afternoon there. That's all right, mate.
1: They have uh, done me wrong. Um, (laughs) So, so, uh, so anyway, so, the idea of producing, you know, seemed um, like I, I, I wasn't sure that it had the creative attachment that I found once once I started going down the path, you know, and that it's that it is really uh, a giant piece of the collaboration, and that's what I loved about it.
0: Well, that's cool. I remember talking to Jared um, Jared Weisfilner for those who <clears> maybe <throat> for me he used to be a part of the Scrubs crew as well. Um, he said that he, he got an internship, he just moved to Hollywood and sort of didn't know where he was going to land. Were you the same or did you have something set up before you made the big move across to the West Coast?
1: Um, well, both are sort of true. Um, when I came to first, the first thing was I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to do an internship. Um, and so, uh, and so what I did was I, we we had a family, we had a family trip planned to Hawaii. Uh, My brother and sister lived out there. Um, And so so the rest of my family was meeting there to spend Thanksgiving. And I had a a break in school. So what I did was I I scheduled my trip so that I had a layover in Los Angeles. My sister called like her best friend from college and found, found a place for me to stay. And while I was at school, I watched all of my favorite shows and took down all the information as to like, where they shot, who shot them. Um, and then um, and then I uh, I got to Los Angeles. Um, I tried to schedule some meetings prior to, I called, I think I called Young and the Restless and I can't remember what other shows I called. But then I walked down Melrose Avenue and bought myself a little uh, sport jacket and I had uh, resumes in my briefcase, and I would watch the door at uh, at uh, Paramount. Now, this is before 9-11, This is before COVID, and I would watch what people did when they walked on the lot. You know, so it was very busy at breakfast and very busy at lunch, and people would walk in and they would wave to the to the security guard and say hello. So, and I would pick a busy time, and I would. Walk and I would wave to the security guard like everybody else, and then I would get my little list out and see which shows shot on that lot because I would do it at all the different lots, and I would run around and paper them with my resume and try and find somebody to talk to, and uh, and eventually, um, uh, eventually they did. What the the uh, you can't tell because I'm sitting. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm six six, and <laughs> I said it was just about Thanksgiving. So when I got to Paramount. I, I I saw uh, at one of my favorite places, there was a place, Ubu Productions, they made Family Ties um, and some other shows. And Gary David Goldberg was sort of, you know, a, a hero of mine. And there was a woman trying desperately to put her Christmas decorations over her front door of her mm-hmm. office. And so I walked over and I put the decorations up for her. And she, she looked up at me and said, thank you, she said, come with me. And I went in her office and I put the star on the tree and did all the up high work. And then she was, she asked me why I was there. And I told her I was trying to, you know, find my way in. And ultimately, that was the person who gave me my first internship.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah. See, they say height really does matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm only five nine, so I, I'd be looking up. But i have a sore neck. <laughs> oh, good on you. I think, you know, that these days, that desire to do well, just just rock up. <laughs> With your, with your briefcase and your resumes handing them out. You know, obviously, <clears throat> times have changed applying online and that now, but that's how I got my first job, just walked into a local hardware store, gave them a resume, and they said, and how old are you? I'm like 15 years old. And I just so I think showing that you were interested and helping someone out That like, good for you. That's awesome.
1: hundred percent. No, I, I was, I mean, I'm in that conversation with my 15-year-old son right now. Like you know it's it's good to just be present and, and show interest.
0: Is he super tall as well? Uh he is.
1: He is. <laughs> uh, he's he's uh, 6-4 and uh and still growing.
0: And I'll just tell him to look out for Christmas trees and <laughs> you never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's funny I just I I I texted the the woman who hired me, uh Michelle Buganti, and uh, you know I was asking her for some advice for for him and she was like, "Well, if he's anything like you, you know." <laughs> He'll have the he'll have the uh, the chutzpah to to just walk right in.
0: What a compliment! And shout outs to Michelle. Yes. <laughs> well, this sort of ties into the next question: um, Who has been a massive influence influence for you both in your personal and professional life?
1: Um, I mean, I feel like there's as many influences as there are people that I've I've worked with. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm still being influenced. I feel so lucky, you know, the people that I work with, and I love to see what they do, what they do better than me, what I can learn from them. You know, it's like I know you had Kip on here and I, I see the way he does his job and I and I admire that. You know, I told you that Gary Goldberg was one of my heroes, you know, my my mother and my sister, um, who were are, are gone. But you know, I, I think think about how how they were how they believed in me and gave me inspiration all the time and reinforcement. Uh my father was someone who doesn't come to know easily. You know, he's always about finding a way, finding a way, and always about there's something to learn from from everybody and how do you uh, integrate that into your work and in your life? You know, I, I, I a lot of times I find myself saying, um, "I'm the son of a of a." of a social worker and a salesman, which are the two sides of, you know, that's my mother and my father. And and uh, that I think both uh, seeped into me, a love of people and and really uh, taking them to heart and a love for finding a way, you know, for my dad. But, um, you know, God, I'm, I, I'm working with Jason Siegel this year. I feel like he inspires me. Um, uh, Bill obviously uh, has been, um, has been fun and an inspiration along the way, but yeah, like I said, I I seek it out. You know, I feel like I'm I'm not only have I been inspired by a lot of people, but I feel like I'm I continue to look for it.
0: I think yeah, what you what you said is true. I I was raised by my dad is what we refer to as a dickhead in a good way. <laughs> he he'll be listening to this. Say, hey, dad, you idiot! And so he's a <laughs> forklift operator, and Mum's worked in retail for twenty odd years, and um. Both hard work and both driven, um, both super humble, and they always said like, you know, if you want to get somewhere, you're not going to get anywhere, sitting down. You know, we we're gonna give you the tools you need to strive forward. You'll never need for anything, but we're not going to do everything for you. So you know, you learn those skills at a young age, and you go forward and you try to be humble. And you know, I, I'm a gold miner by trade, and you know, just this is fun, and we just um, you know, to 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 find out what you like, cause, and people. Like yourself, for giving me their time, so it's it. I'm nothing but thankful, and to everyone who's been there, like Kip, Jared, and Carrie Bennett, and there's a plethora of people. Um, sure. you know, time's the one currency you can't give back. So to anyone who gives me theirs, I'm nothing but thankful for. Um, I think it's important to be kind. Uh, uh
1: it's uh, it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice. Come um, with the frog. My, my, my so how would it be important and important to be nice? Hi ho! Sorry. <laughs> uh my father was a track man and he's fond of saying you start the race from where you are you know that's that that's how life works Like whatever happened before is happened before you know if you're if you're changing directions or if you're uh aiming for something you start the race from where you are
0: i like that you know because we're all different we've all got our own races going on and you shouldn't we shouldn't be in anyone else's lane it's it's your story it's mine <clears> and it's your father's and he sounds like a wise man yeah, yeah. Kit may have said, told you or not, I'm a monster-sized Scrubs fan. I love a lot of the works you've been involved with. And just watched the latest episode of Shrinking. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was directed by yours truly, and I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. And Mm -hmm. since it's recently out, I won't give away spoilers, but very enjoyable television. It's on Apple Plus now. If anyone's out there listening, check it out. See some of Randall's fine work. So, yeah, I'm a huge Scrubs fan, and since getting to hear some of the behind-the-scenes stories and the Fake Doctors podcast, to which you've been a reoccurring guest. I had yes. a cameo on there once as well because I, I wore a damn Scrubs onesie on national TV um, on a game show. It sort of went viral. Um, they all had a giggle and invited me on their show and I made funny people laugh. It was the best. And um, they've often spoken about yourself and Bill, you know, having a special bond, um, you know, even characters on the show and even the winston university in season 9 um so that must have been humbling to hear and we'll get to that shortly but I was just curious how did you guys officially meet and become friends how did that all come about
1: um we met uh we met through a mutual friend um somebody who i who i grew up with well somebody who i grew up with when i very first moved out here uh had formed a a, a small circle of friends and, and bill was Bill was part of that, so he was part of my, you know, my freshman class. You know, we we played basketball together and we hung out together, and and then very early on, we got a chance to do a show called Champs together, which was the prelude to Spin City. Um, but uh, you know, we were we were fast friends, and and Spin City was such an awesome time you know we were in new york uh nobody was over it we all just wanted to be uh, uh, take a bite out of the big apple and and we were running around all hours of the day and having after parties and and making uh, having a great time making that show and uh, that was a uh, that was a big bonding experience you know and um, and so when we would hang out in the in the we are the night you know we would talk about the you know how are we going to work together in the future and, and uh and bill god bless you know made good on it and he went to go to the scrubs pilot and i was not sure i was ready to leave new york i had fallen in love and met my now husband uh there I was living and working and then um and then he called me up and said you know uh i think they're gonna let me make this this show scrubs do you want to come back and and do it with me and I was on a plane.
0: And that was it. The rest is history. Yeah. That's cool. Um, So as I've just previously said, um, you know, on Scrubs, like everyone on this show who listens is a genuine Scrubs fan as well, and as well as things like Spin City and Cougar Town and Shrinking and a plethora of shows. But um, did you, when you found out that there was a character, character named after yourself and like the naming of the Winston University or, anything like that has it ever taken you back or were you sort of aware that was a thing before it was produced or have you ever been taken back by the subtle little references there or
1: um i i, I think I'm, i've always been taken a little back but you know it, it's i'll go back to i remember very clearly the night when uh the first that i learned of spin city and um bill and gary were talking about the show that uh that the, the michael fox was signing on and uh there there was a they said there's a character that's sort of uh modeled after you that was Carter um and there's and there's a, and the mayor, the mayor of New York's name is Randall Winston your mother will be very proud and that's <laughs> sort of that's sort of where it begins all of those things begin and ended for me you know um I, it was a great thing to be able to tell my grandmother and my family and and uh you know when uh, when on the show uh, Mayor Winston had a book out, you know, and so I went to the, uh, to the prop department to get, you know, to get some books, you know, to, to take home and, and give to my mother. And And the prop guy said, you know, the book's not really about you. Uh, but, uh, you know, my mom sent them out all over the place. And Winston University, there was, you know, there was Winston University sweatshirts. And my, my father was over the moon and they, they, they created a seal, you know. That is uh, that still hangs in my office. Um, I'll send you a picture of it. The, but it is, uh, you know, the, the the makes it look like Winston University was a very storied and old uh, university, which which was cool. Um, you know, so it's been a, a great, great fun. But you know, the best part for me is getting to share it with my family.
0: That's cool. Um... Oh, that, that's also a little cheeky flex in there too. So, yeah, you know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Good on you. <ya. laughs> so I guess next question is, oh, they're not all going to be Scrub-centric. I just thought I'd ask a few. We're going to talk about Scrubs. Okay, cool. Um, You also made your time directing debut on Scrubs. How was that process? And what are some of the things you've learned from then up to today, like your episode on drinking, for example?
1: Um, <clears throat> Well, you know, it, it is... The best part about it, uh, which I said before, is is the collaboration. Um, you know, the way that it happened was I had all the experience of producing those shows, and I knew the show really well. I knew the cast really well. I knew the stories really well. You know, because uh, because of how much time I spent in the writers room and spent with Bill, and and I, and so I I asked Bill if he would consider you know letting me take take my turn behind the camera and uh and he was agreeable you know and, and let me uh and let me let me have at it and it was it was a great experience I, I got a I got a couple couple three scrubs uh under my belt um and, and the thing was I I think it's again I think I would go back to you're always learning a little bit you know so with, with generous writers and generous actors, which, uh, which I've had the pleasure of working with, you know, I remember being on set one time and trying to work through a scene and John C. McGinley coming up to me and saying, you know, this is uh, something that I am trying to figure out, you know, you, I would prefer that, you know, you have this conversation with me, because I'm not a mind reader, you know, don't get lost in just planning your shots, or, you know, just talking to, one actor you know you have to to take it all in and be be conscientious and thoughtful and 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 have a you know have something to share and so i think that's probably where the learning began you know for that for that for that chapter at scrubs and then and on all the shows that i have that i've worked on i think i think mostly uh Again, going back to you know, television, such a writer's medium, and you know, I, I care so much about making sure that that their ideas and vision are are realized. You know, and excited if there's ways that I can be additive to it. But I am someone who really relishes knowing the story's journey. You know, because it the the seeds that are planted in the writer's room you know not all of them end up on the page in the in the final shooting script but knowing the, the, you know where that joke came from if it was somebody's experience or you know or or if it morphed into something else is uh something I'm always searching for you know so that when I'm on set I know the dna of the scene or of the moment um and also as a as a producer it was incredibly important you know sometimes when you're trying to uh, make a show or a scene fit into a box. And oftentimes that box means fi- financial box. You know, you are trying to decide what is the most important piece to the writer? What is the most salient to the story? You know, so, okay, so if this is the thing that we're going to protect most, you know, maybe we can change something here, you know, on either side of it. And, and, uh, and so... That was important to
0: me. It would have been, you know, just sometimes I, I wish I could go back in time, be a fly on the wall and just hear how those meetings would have gone through. Like with the writers, I'm sure there were some hilarious moments. Um, But being that, as you just mentioned, you were the, the is it the line producer is the person in charge of you say yes to requests or say no, like you're in charge of the finances pretty much. Um, Was there every ever a, like a wild request you had to say no to? Or can you? Does anything come to mind? If you could be on any EV you know, shows,
1: it's funny. Um, I, I don't like to say no. You know, I mean, I used to joke with one of the writers, Tim Hobart, that uh, that we should write a book called "How to Get to Yes." You know, it was just really. Please do it. <laughs> it. It's uh, it, it to me, it's a sometimes, you know, even if it's a no, it's a game of inches. You know, so like, um, again. If you are, if you can just change the elements of a joke, maybe that's the way to move forward. You know, does it have to be in a tower, or or is it just as funny? You know, in this, uh, you know, in the living room, is does it have to be, you know, driving? Can we can we do it in fewer days? You know, so I, I, I'm nothing springs to mind because I feel like I'm always struggling to try and keep stuff um you know like i i think i think about the uh the episode you know the, the, the scrubs episode people always talk about where um where uh jd's on the scooter and he goes into the puddle uh and I saw manatee. The <laughs> other puddle. yes i saw manatee what was his name his name was uh, his name
0: was his name julian
1: yes i think it was julian <laughs> yes zach still loves to, to talk about uh julian But, like, that was an episode, I don't remember what else was in that episode, but I remember having a conversation with Bill, was like, look, this seems like the biggest joke in the show, it seems like the thing that you want to protect, we are going to have to, you know, jackhammer the parking lot, we're going to have to call dig alert, you know, and alert the city, we're going to have to fill it with water, make it safe, and, you know, like, these are, this is going to be an inexpensive stunt, you know, do we also have to, uh, you know, uh, crash a motorhome, or you know, or or or, or build a, <laughs> a ski jump on the roof of the of the hospital, or can that be in another episode? You know, like th- those. The, that's the conversation. And <laughs> and sometimes it was, you know, maybe we do one big thing, you know, and next time we'll do two little things, or you sort of make a menu out of it.
0: Yeah. So it's sort of just not so much saying no, but finding alternatives to make things work. Cause I remember uh, Zach was talking about that episode and he was fully submerged and he had to wait for two pounds on the ground to know when yeah. to come up and sort of, it's just little things like that. You hear as a fan, you go, that's cool. And I watched that episode. I think it's the hundredth episode special, the yellow brick road one. And yeah. um, like you're always, I'm always in stitches. At, even, you know, as a 20 something, almost 20 years later, I'm still that yeah. little, Naive teenager who just giggles at everything. Um, Scrubs got me through a lot of school and stuff, so uh, that's cool to hear.
1: I still, I mean, the musical episode sticks out as a as a uh, a real high point. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned Carrie Bennett before. Carrie had some great great moments. Some really funny uh, costumes that elevated, you know, the the joke that was on the page.
0: She um she was really nice, um really humble. And, um, you know, she spoke about a time on the show and, um, you know, she's she worked in the office a bit too and, you know, creating iconic things like she come up with, you know, the, the scrubs, she come up with like Dwight suits, you know, brown suit, just little things like that that people, you know, don't often think about. That's why I like speaking to people like yourself who create the content that we love and we, you know, we should shine off, like a spotlight more on those working behind the camera because we, you know, everyone knows the actors and actresses and, that's why I love speaking to people like you because the stories that go with it just reinforce the love that I have for these things already. So um, yeah, it's, it's really humbling to hear, hear you say that. It's
1: really an overwhelming philosophy. You know, it's just the way that I believe and think and work and, and Bill believes and thinks and works that, you know, um, best idea wins, you know? So, and, and I'll go back to collaborations. Like, you know, if, if, if uh, if one of the grips had a joke that that elevated the scene you know it was going in the show you know there was not an ego about uh that you know bill likes to joke uh that you know he'll steal a joke from anybody but the truth is is that he's just uh welcoming to the best idea and and the proof is on screen
0: that's awesome so you spoke briefly about like an expensive shot but um, what's another like expensive set that you've worked on? Um, for example, maybe the the sandcastle that the janitor was in, or what's another expensive set you've had the pleasure of putting together?
1: The sandcastle was pretty insane. Um, in the in the uh, uh, Yellow Road episode, what was crazy was um, we needed a giant crane to get the guys on the roof uh, to start the Somewhere Over the Rainbow song. However, the, we had the tallest crane that we could get. It was like a hundred foot crane and it still was too short. So then we had to build a deck to put the crane on to do the shot. and Then the deck had to be long enough to move back and forth. You know, so that one shot suddenly uh, became uh, incredibly expensive. You know, for Carrie, you know, I think about the uh, the 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 sort of Princess Bride episode that we did, where she, you know, had to build a giant and and uh, you know all sorts of uh, you know unique creatures. Um, the, uh, you know, the, in, in the musical, it was in the people, you know, the number of dancers and the, the amount of rehearsal that we needed. Um, you know, the sets were, were wild on Scrubs, but because we had the footprint of the hospital, you know, a lot of stuff went into existing structure, you know, Cabot McMullen, who's an amazing production designer, you know, I think about the, uh, the Indiana Jones scene, fantasy where Turk is a
0: uh, golden you know. tumor. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. You know that was an incredible set. Uh, uh, you know the in the inside of uh, a Cabot, You know, always we keep. I've got a, a sketch of the of the caveman uh, set that was in, in one of my episodes. You know, but he would sketch up. Uh, you could be in a meeting, and he. You, somebody was trying to communicate an idea and if you had a piece of paper or a napkin or, or a post-it, he would just scratch it up and be like, is this what you're talking about? He's like, <laughs> oh my God, that's exactly, exactly what we're thinking, you know, and then he would design it and um, Jim, our construction coordinator and his team, you know, everybody loved what they were doing, so everybody wanted to elevate it.
0: That's cool. A lot of people have said, um, Zach and Donald included, that working on shows like Scrubs and um, you know that was they were like family. Was it the bill had the no asshole policy? Um, yes. And then you know if you're a bit of a dick and be like, well you know, no time for you. See you later. So that knowing that as well would would give me confidence to go to work and enjoy it even more. So um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, have you are there any specific moments of any of your shows that you're particularly proud of? Obviously, you just said the musical episode and putting together some expensive construction shots and stuff like that. But is does anything stick out for you personally so far? That's something that you're pref- uh, proud of yourself.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's hard for me to to take that um, fully because I, I, almost everything that I've done, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of a bunch of other people.
0: Yeah, I should, have, I should have should have worded know, it better. Sorry.
1: In one of those, in you know, in one of those uh, um, shrinking episodes, if you haven't seen, there's a very funny. Uh, scene in at the party, that's a, a party ruiner, um, and uh, designing the elements of that, uh, I thought were a great deal of fun. The uh, um, you know, there there was a I had one day, where I sort of had the most uh toys, you know, on an episode where I was working with the drone pilots, and it's just it's it's fun. It's like you're, you know. I, I flash back to that kid from the Midwest and I'm just thinking, God, you know, I'm I'm out here making movies. I'm trying to think of what else. You know, I think I feel as excited and, and proud of the things that I think happened around the shows, you know, like when we were able to uh do a charity ride, you know, for MS on on Scrubs or make a donation or or when we would have the uh you know, rap parties where everybody got got to be together and celebrate. Uh, each other's work and um, you know that makes it feel uh, whole you know remember we, we did a, a a green festival when when you're at scrubs just to try and educate and elevate the community that we lived in's knowledge and involvement of, of what green technologies were uh, you know so that that stuff matters to me
0: mm, it's kind of like it brings a different sense of accomplishment. Yes, you've, you've done your, your job and you've wrapped the, the season, but it's when you truly are able to experience these potentially extracurricular activities with your, with, your, with your work colleagues as well. Like it, there's another sense of achievement as well, kind of sounds like you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. That's cool. We um, In this area, so I live in country New South Wales and town called Orange. And uh, in the last six months, there have been some horrific flooding around The town, So um, I went out with some of the guys from my work crew and we were able to go out to towns affected by the floods and help strip the homes a little bit and take up sort of old floorboards and um, sort of try and help out these affected towns. And, you know, not only does it build morale in your team because you can, you get a chance to meet people outside of work, but it also allows you to sort of have a sense of accomplishment. So that's why I try to do a good deed each day if I can. Even if it's something something as simple as holding the door open for someone, I think, make the world better. What do they say? Shine a candle, don't curse the darkness, and uh, the day will get better for everyone. That's what I try to believe in. Anyways, it sounds like you're similar. I love that. I sound like a little little whiner right now, but anyways, <laughs> you do it <what> again. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you as well, like, um, in your personal life, just what is Randall like to get up to? What are your, some of your hobbies and? What do you like to do in your spare time? Well,
1: spare time is rare, um, and I don't. You know, it's so funny. I feel like there have been times in my life where I, I feel I think, oh God, I should have hobbies. I don't. I don't have enough hobbies. i I was actively. There've been a couple of times when I've tried to make gardening my hobby. You know, uh, grew some tomatoes and and uh, you know, I, I I love to travel. I haven't done a, a lot of that lately. I, I feel like. Um, I was going to say just drinking too. Um, oh, the, if that's uh, the
0: case, I am yeah. I, a lot of craft beers lately. I've turned to a I've turned to a blimp during COVID. <laughs> I'm a fat mess.
1: I do love food, you know. Um, I, I uh, my husband is a spectacular uh, cook, so I don't cook as much as I used to, but I do like to play around in the kitchen. I've been making a lot of stuff lately, and and I think certainly. Um, you know, my family sort of I think changes the metrics in that because you know all things are better if they're shared, right? So you know sometimes it's fun to, to try and make something you know because I think my daughter's going to like it or uh, uh, you know trying to trying to find something that uh, that uh, that the whole family can can enjoy. So, um, but uh, it's it's hard. I mean, really, I, like I said, I I, I swam this morning. That is one of my favorite activities. I don't know if it counts as a hobby, but it does, for yeah, me, 100%. it is. It's typically the most peaceful part of my day. If it's a day that I swim, you know, I don't, I don't really do yoga or meditate. But when I'm in the pool, it's quiet, and I can think and let my mind wander, or I can be very focused on something and sort of work out a problem because it's repetitive, you know. And I like being in the water. That. I'm, I'm happiest, you know, uh, in the pool or, or at the beach. So, mm. that's probably the closest thing to a, a hobby.
0: That's that's yeah. They're all hundred percent hobbies. I is there a a signature dish that you're you claiming is your own, or you? What do you like to make the most, or it just sort of changes?
1: <laughs> I'm making a lot of soups right now. Yeah. I'm only la- I'm only laughing because I get accused in my house often of when. I make something that's really good. Usually it's followed by the statement of you'll never be able to make it again <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not big on recipes. I'm very big on instinct, you know, and, uh, and some days and, uh, there's no spice that I have met that I don't like, you know? So I, I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've, um I've recently taken to learning the art of meat smoking because um, you got to, for those of you who might not be aware, at a good, if say if you did like a, a, a some ribs or a pulled brisket or something like that, it's the best part of eight hours. Now, one, I can do it because I am incredibly single, <laughs> and and two, um, you know, it, it, when you you get to the end of it, like I can because I work, I do seven days on, seven off, so to keep the seven off, I do things like this. And my you know, mindfulness thing is going to the gym, I like well, we're lifting weights and. Um, when you finally get to the end of it and it tastes amazing or it tastes like garbage, you, you either go, well, I won't be doing that again. But, you know, uh, you learn, you grow. Um, I'll just keep going outwards because of all the ridiculous amounts of meat I've been eating. Well, I'm dead set. I'm fat as. It's great. <laughs> but I hear what you're saying. Um yeah. So a little known fact that you shared on the Fake Doctors pod that many might not be aware of. Is, is it true that you're a, a marriage celebrant as well?
1: Oh, yes. Yes, um, yes, yes. I'm very proud of that. Um, yeah. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I married I married both Carrie and Kip.
0: There you go. That's cool. Yes.
1: yes. Uh, I, I was officiant at both of their weddings. Um, there are uh, 16 couples out there who I am uh, responsible for uh, officiating their weddings, and I I like to say they're all still together. So I only take people who are very serious. I also I also married uh, Donald Faison.
0: There you go. And, There's a little and, bit of and, little and bit of knowledge there for you. That's yes. awesome.
1: Um, and uh, a Dan Simeon who is uh, who uh, who I work with here and has worked with me for a long time. He, I can't remember whether he did some time on Scrubs. So he was definitely at Cougar Town. Um, let's see here. Who else? But yeah, so all in the family. There's there's a lot of a lot of people that I've uh, been able to participate in um, a fun and meaningful way in, in their lives.
0: That's cool. I um I like that as well. Yep, hundred percent. Brag. Everyone's still together. You know, <laughs> strike rate's still going strong. <laughs> hearing hearing that, you sound like you sound like an absolute pleasure to be around. Everyone speaks highly of you, and I can see just by talking to you. You're a very down to earth, very humble guy. Um, what's uh, so what's next for you? What does this year entail for you? Like, obviously shrinking as well, but what else can you allow? Are you allowed to say what you've got coming up? Or, <clears throat>
1: um, well, uh, uh we have I have a show, that's um, that is uh in development at Stars. It's about a about a woman who is, uh, a, a tour manager. It's a woman who I know. She's, uh, uh she went from fangirl to. To being a tour manager, she managed the Roots, uh, and got thrown into that uh, in the deep end of the pool, and you know now how many years later she manages tours for for Kid Rock and Chris Rock and uh and the Roots and Fergie and you know was at a party at the White House, so she's and it's a black woman that when there's really like no black female tour manager so she's got this great origin story so i'm very excited about about uh about that um and uh and i have something else that I'm, i've been working on um that uh we're hoping to to bring to uh swish I've been talking a lot with Titus burgess who who uh, uh if you ever watch uh, kimmy schmidt you you know who he is he's funny and fantastic and lovely and and you know, what's to come? I don't know. You know, we're, we're here. Uh, I'm, I'm working with Dozer, developing some stuff. I'm trying to develop some things on my own. Um, I would love to be able to, uh, you know, do some more pilots, um, and just collaborate with great people and, and, uh, do what i love
0: that's cool i hope it's a you know, like a, a really rewarding year and i hope you get to produce these pilots in that book that'll be unreal <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, you, I, <laughs> I know I, I can speak for probably millions of people when i say we are truly grateful to have you involved in some of the some of the best television we can ever we can ever see so i know for a fact that 20 people off the top of my head were excited. Like I can't wait to hear your chat. And uh, a few uh, of my friends actually helped me come up with some questions today, which I'll give them a shout out afterwards to say because I know you we're almost out of time. But um like from your point of view, um, is there anything that you would like to say from your perspective to those that appreciate your work out there, your fans, so to speak?
1: Gosh, that feels awfully lofty. Um, you know, I I, I would say something that I I've tried to remind myself often, which is uh, uh and I don't mean it to be dogmatic, but I would say indecision is the mother of frustration. You know, sometimes when you want everybody to row in the same direction, you've gotta, you know, call it out and uh and and the way and, and the way to the other side is through it. Yeah. Uh maybe you'll make it maybe maybe you made uh a choice the right choice or the popular choice, the wrong choice, you'll know on the other side and And you'll be, you'll be smarter. You'll be smarter then. And, uh, you know, I I used to uh, say to some people who I I work with, which was, I said, I said, you know what, you know what the trick to making people that you work with think that you care and and it's actually caring, you know, (laughs) actually care, (laughs) you take their uh, wants, needs and wishes to heart, you know, then you're going to see another perspective and you think you'll be better you'll find a better solution you know which yep. you can do together things that i try and remind myself of
0: fair enough i i work in a crew of 100 people and this is my second morning gig and we do 12 hours at a time so you know we like similar for when you shoot television they're long days and you, you basically become family and uh, one of my bosses said to me at the time he said mitch the mightiest weapon is the pen, you know, like because it comes down to timesheets and this and that. He said, but if you ask as opposed to demand, you know, people will want to step up and do a favour for you. He said that leading is like everyone's treated fairly and whether you're in a position of supervisory or whether you're just one of the crew, he said, be humble, but let people know where you're from and stand firm, but be kind. And I've always remembered that. And that's that's the way I try to be as well. You know, raised with good parents and being an absolute short little bastard um you know you try to be as kind as you can to people and um yeah i without sounding too mushy i really appreciate everything that you've done so far and will do and as i said we i could talk to you for hours on end but i know time is limited but sincerely thank you for today i i really appreciate it you humble me sir
1: (laughs) oh please honestly my pleasure i mean i i I appreciate the invitation uh i'm delighted to 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 talk and tell stories and, and reminisce and to meet you, you know, it, it, I, I would say uh, it is obvious that you are someone who is, who cares deeply and, uh, and that makes a difference, you know, so thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And can I give a quick shout out to six people? If that's okay real quick. Of course. So first the, to Dan, for uh, you know, setting this up. He, uh, he's been emailing me and sort of working behind the scenes so thank you Dan and um, to some of my friends Leon Catherine Niall, Richard Derek and Margaret they're all huge grubs fans and each each one of them submitted a question each so thank you and um, for those of you out there please make sure you check out shrinking on Apple TV it's streaming now um you've got you've, have you got two episodes that you've directed this season or is it a few more or three? Two, three. three. So you've yeah. directed three and you're exec producing as well. So busy, man. Please check it out. It's great content. And um, is there anything that you'd like to close on? Anything that we haven't covered? Or
1: Not that I can think of, um, but, uh, you know, uh, good on you. <laughs> because, uh... Good on
0: you, mate. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And um, for those of you who listen, thank you very much. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now. Full disclaimer, I'm sorry I didn't mention you, but also thank you, Richard, for your question as well. Thank you to the Folk Doctors crew, and thanks to everyone for listening. I'll catch you all in the next one.